wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, July 11, 2019. I am Graham G. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. And it seems like every single week here on the show, we have more and more to talk about. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But, you know, from the awesome interviews with the likes of Kelly Klein, Shane Taylor, and just last week, Flip Gordon, and all of these interviews, by the way, you can't check out in the last three weeks' worth of episodes of WrestleRant Radio. But between those... And the pay-per-view reviews and previews with Fighter Fest a week ago, and we had what was the other show? Um, was it a WWE pay-per-view? We had Stomping Grounds a few weeks ago. We had Ring of Honor Best in the World about a week and a half ago. This weekend we have Fight for the Fallen, the WWE slash Evolve show on Saturday. We have Extreme Rules on Sunday. There is so much shit going on now in wrestling. It's very, it's a very exciting time to be a wrestling reviewer podcaster, because there's so much to review and to watch. And sometimes it can be a lot, but thankfully it's all entertaining stuff, for the most part. Um, I did not have a chance to watch the G1 special from Dallas, the New Japan show, last Saturday, so I will not be talking about that here on the show today. But I will be reviewing the Impact Slammiversary pay-per-view from Sunday. Now, unfortunately, I completely forgot about the show to talk about it here on WrestleRant Radio last week. We already had enough to talk about. Uh, between the interview with Flip Gordon and then me giving my predictions or rather reviews of Best in the World and then of Fighter Fest, I completely neglected Impact's anniversary and it ended up being a great show. So we'll talk about that briefly here on today's show as well as preview and give my predictions for Extreme Rolls on Sunday and then Saturday's Fight for the Fallen pay-per-view from AEW. But that's not all. Today we're also airing my exclusive interview with longtime WWE ring announcer, the current cage announcer for the PFL, the Professional Fighters League, Lillian Garcia. Now we talked about maybe three weeks ago. The interview went up in article form two weeks ago on Daily DDT, and it got a ton of coverage from a number of notable websites last week, which was really cool to see. And we talk about pretty much everything from how she joined and how she got the stint, the opportunity to do ring announcing, or rather cage announcing for the PFL, being with the WWE for almost 20 years, how things are different from when she started to how they are now, being back for WrestleMania 35, um, ring announcing the Evolution pay-per-view back in October, whether she thinks the Evolution pay-per-view could, should, or would be brought back at some point in the near future. We talk about the women's evolution, Ronda Rousey, her podcast, and how much that's helped people. Really fascinating conversation. So you can check it out in article form and written form um, if you don't have the 30 minutes to spare to listen to it. On Daily DDT, again, it went up about two weeks ago. If you go to my profile on the website, if you scroll down a little bit, you'll find the article. But uh, the interview is airing today, so you can check out our full conversation right here, right now, on Wrestle Rant Radio. 
Then on the back half of the show, we will be doing my pay-per-view previews and reviews of Impact's anniversary, and then predictions for uh, Fight for the Fallen on Saturday and Extreme Rules on Sunday. Until then, guys, enjoy my exclusive interview with the illustrious Lillian Garcia. All right, Graham G. Matthews here, guys, with the back with another exclusive interview. Today we're talking to WWE ring announcer, the host of Chasing Glory podcast, some great stuff there, and also currently the cage ring announcer, I guess as you would call it, for the Professional Fighters League, Lillian Garcia. Lillian, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Of course, and uh, Professional Fighters League, you guys are pretty much available everywhere. That is ESPN, ESPN, ESPN+, Plus, ESPN2. You guys are all over the place, so if people want to check it out, you guys are anything on anything that is ESPN. Uh, my first question for you would obviously have to be, how did the opportunity to announce a PFL come about? Yeah, it was really crazy because I got this phone call out of the blue from Ryan Satin. So Ryan, when I was doing my original podcast, he was co-hosting it with me. And he called me and he goes, hey, this organization, the Professional Fighters League, is trying to get a hold of you. And I'm like, they are? <laughs> like, yeah, they want you to be their announcer. Um, he goes, I got it through Jamie Iveen, who got it through someone else at the Professional Fighters League, who uh, told Jamie, hey, they're trying to get a hold of Lillian. And so Jamie knew how to get a hold of me through Ryan. So that's how the whole thing came about. And then I interviewed with George Greenberg, who is the uh, executive producer there. And it just, you know, went from there. And here I am. <laughs> and did you follow mixed martial, art, uh, mixed martial arts as all much before joining the PFL? And if so, who have been some of your favorites in the past? Or some people that you followed or are familiar with? Yeah, so I didn't follow it like, per se like I did wrestling mm -hmm. um, I've dabbled in it you know from watching the, the, the fights with you know Conor McGregor or, um, you know some of the, the bigger names obviously from Ronda Rousey coming around you know when before when Ronda Rousey was doing her thing in MMA I would watch her um, and then Brock Lesnar also made me more intrigued into the sport as well when he went over so I would definitely watch his fights and some of our other guys that have dabbled in it so it's kind of like a cross thing right that that from one back and forth from one to the other between mm -hmm. WWE and, and MMA so it made me intrigued into the sport and so when this came about like I've always been a fan of combat sports anyway um, my dad used to box when he was in the army he and I used to watch wrestling as a, you know when I was a kid um, so and then like I said watching MMA the little bit that I did uh, it it made me intrigued to where I was like, this seems like a natural progression of the next step in my mm -hmm. journey. And being with the uh, PFL for just a little bit now, what about the promotion as well as people that you've worked with, fighters that you've seen? Um, what is, and what and who has specifically stood out to you so far? The whole thing. <laughs> I am so amazed in this uh, this organization very very professional they have welcomed me with open arms um they've anything i need any kind of information they're like we're here to help and they have they've completely helped me because i thought it was going to be very similar and yet i i find that it's kind of uh its own entity as to the announcements and how I do the announcements there. So I've had to learn a lot of their different format because it is a different format. you got to remember, WWE is definitely more entertainment. Mm -hmm. And so, which is why there wasn't such focus, let's say, on, you know, the person's weight fluctuating from one pound to the other, from one week to the other. Where here, it is all about the exact weight. 
you know, and, mm-hmm. and then the stats and how high they are and what their professional record is. In WWE, we didn't say any of that. It's more about the town, what kind of title is it, you know, do they hold a title? So the announcements are pretty much completely different. Is that adjustment period still going on with you to this day, or is it something like, okay, I got it down and I'm good now? Look, there was an adjustment period for 15 years at WWE. Mm -hmm. I never, (laughs) never got cocky. I never got where I was like, I got this. You know, no. And that's why I would always still have nerves and because I always want to do a great job and you never know what can happen on live TV. So I have felt really good at PFL in the fact that they've, they've set me up to win. I'll say it that way, where they really helped me with um, a lot of information that I think if I hadn't, I would have fallen flat on my face from day one. So the way that they set me up with so much guidance and help and teaching me as to, okay, this is how we do things over here, that literally set me up to get on the right foot from day one. I could not have done it without them. So when you ask me about the organization, like it's just been uh, just everybody from, from the top. And I love the other fact is the, the format. The regular season, the playoffs, and the championship. Who can't get excited about that, including <laughs> the fighters, right? They know how many fights they're going to have. They know um, also that they're going for something like a million dollars in each division. I mean, $6 million being awarded to uh, all these fighters is, is incredible. And it's life-changing for them and their families. So that other thing that I've also... You know, when you again, when you ask me about the organization, some things that surprise me is how nice and humble all of these fighters are. Mm-hmm. They just they love the sport, and when they're in the cage, they're very aggressive, right? And they're they're there for a purpose, and they're there for a reason, and they're in their sport. But away from the cage, they're so just really down to earth and just so nice and that's what i love getting to know their personalities and um and as well the mma fans have been so receiving of me and i can't thank them enough for that and you kind of mentioned it right there before has there any has there been any one piece of advice so far whether it be from the fighters or someone else they've worked with at pfl up to this point that has given you a great piece of advice like okay just relax and do this better or you know whatever may have stuck with you Man, George Greenberg, the executive producer, literally just said to me, I want you to go in there and just have fun. Mm -hmm. Whatever happens, happens. And if you mess up, just laugh at yourself and just continue. And so that instantly put me in such an ease where I was like, oh, oh, I get to go in and have a good time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So when, when that is said to you, you can pretty much go in there and just do your thing and enjoy it and i love love to introduce and and make these big ring announcements in there i enjoy it so much to set up the the fight and so uh for me it's part of performing it really is it's kind of like a in a way like a ringmaster at a circus like Mm -hmm. you know when the ringmaster is so important you know we saw that in the greatest showman in the movie 
great. You Fantastic see how movie, important yeah. important he's hosting mm-hmm. and he's just presenting it and it just sets everything up. So that's how I feel as a performer, as a singer. It gives me an opportunity to, to go in there and just set the stage for something so big that's about to happen. And you mentioned earlier the biggest differences, being with WWE for close to 20 years, now doing the PFL, and kind of the biggest differences between the PFL and the entertainment that was WWE, that is WWE. Um, People have said now recently how micromanaged WWE is, stuff like that. Um, Have you been given any more freedom in PFL to kind of announce things the way that you want to, or did you never really have that issue while you were with with WWE? No, I never had that issue, but here's, you got to remember... With ring announcements, there's definitely a certain way to do them. Yep. So with WWE, there was a certain way to do them, and I learned it. Now, did I get wiggle room? Absolutely. Because I would say, I feel like maybe it needs to, this name, you know, the nickname needs to be ahead, or the nickname needs to be in the nick, in the middle, or, you know, same thing with PFL. I've been able to, you know, talk to Josh Fowler, who's been helping me tremendously, and I'll look at him and I'll go, hey, um, what about if we did it this way? And he's the same way with me. He tells me, hey, you know this craft, whatever you feel like, like works, go for it. But there are certain things that have to stay the way they are and now I'm learning their format so it's been a give and take and it, that's what I love it's it's um it's a you know uh, mm-hmm. com- uh I can't think of the word um but it's just one of those things that w- help me out here you know what I'm trying to say yeah yeah I know yeah, I'm trying to find the right word for it too but I know what you're talking about though yeah so having been well you first started with WWE in 1999 is that right yes August of 1999 this will be this August will be my 20 year anniversary wow amazing and your most recent appearance to date was the evolution pay-per-view or did you do some ring announcing at Wrestlemania this year too I did I did the uh, I did evolution and then I did come for the women's battle royal okay which is the second year in a row that I've done it for them Mm -hmm. uh, since it launched last year which is great yeah yeah so you had just done that just a few short months ago now doing the PFL you mentioned that this August is your 20-year anniversary with WWE, which is incredible. Um, have you noticed, like, in being back the few times that you've been there in the last couple of years, now moving on to PFL, have you noticed any big differences between the way that things are run now in WWE in terms of ring announcing and stuff like that to when you first started 20 years ago? I just noticed that they have a lot more people, mm-hmm. like whether it's ring announcing, uh, the broadcast team, you know, backstage interviews. Uh, it's definitely expanded because I remember the days when it was just Tony Chimmel, Howard Finkel, and myself. Mm-hmm. That was it, you know. And then, of course, you had on commentary, you had King and you had Michael Cole and, and JR. Um, but that has immensely grown from the six of us to what it is now. I'm like, wow, this is its own entity. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty, pretty amazing. And especially with all the different brands that they have now. They have like five or six different announcers for each brand. You know, it's incredible how much talent that they have. Um, But like you said, you were among an elite few when you started with WWE 20 years ago. They have so many announcers now. Are there anyone, is there anyone specifically that you're a fan of currently in WWE as a ring announcer? And also, too, do you feel like having more, because like your work, people are very familiar with, people know who you are, people are big fans of you, because you were allowed to kind of allow your personality to shine through while you were with WWE, and some people argue that's not really the case anymore. Uh, Do you feel that, you know, more development of personality and just allowing, you know, you to be you while you're ring announcing, whether it's WWE or PFL, kind of helps a little bit. 
Well, you know, I think that definitely what helped me was the fact that I was also able to incorporate my singing when mm -hmm. I was doing the National Anthem or America the Beautiful. I think that people got to see another side of me by doing that uh, versus I don't know if they would have gotten to see me just, you know, announcing if I if they would have seen that side. Um, also, you got to remember that it was the Attitude Era. Mm -hmm. You know, I got thrown in doing different storylines and all, which was so cool, so neat. Um, and now it's just a different era. And so it's, uh, I think it's kept separate now. And, you know, I've, I've been able to, even in, you know, when I've seen backstage interviews, I've seen that they've had more, you know, had some fun with the, uh, interviewer, which mm -hmm. is what they used to do with me. So I still feel, I could just, I think that maybe because there's so many, it's kind of hard to try to get to know them all. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's what you're getting at. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to identify certain people because, I mean, there's so many ring announcers. It might be just the vast majority. Like, there's so many, it's hard to establish or kind of maybe relate might be the right word. I'm not exactly sure what I'm going for here. But since you were like the only one and the best of what you were doing at that point, it was a lot easier to fans to recognize your work and identify who you are. That kind of makes sense. Yeah, and you got to remember too, like I'm being the first female to announce WrestleMania and all mm -hmm. that, and being the first female to stay there for so long, you know, in this job, I really got to establish myself, mm -hmm. you know, um, and that helps. And also, too, it doesn't really seem like anyone has that type of longevity nowadays. You've been there on and off for almost 20 years, coming up in August. Other than Howard Finkel and Michael Cole on commentary, there's very few people um, from an on-air perspective that have had that type of longevity in WWE, which is awesome. Yeah, I mean, you're obviously going to remember JR and mm -hmm. King. They were there for a really long time as well, but there is just a handful. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned being a part of the first ever Evolution pay-per-view back in October. Um, as of right now, we're speaking in late June. Um, another Evolution pay-per-view has yet to be announced. What are the chances you think are that the event comes back as kind of a regular thing, uh, hopefully in the tail end of 2019 and beyond? I would love to see it come back. I think that the women proved that they can hold you know, pay-per-view to its own, uh, on, on their own. But uh, but if if not, I don't think that's a bad thing either in mm -hmm. the fact that now the women are more present in every single pay-per-view and so it's kind of like it's almost not even needed if it doesn't come back i think either way it's going to be okay mm -hmm. i just think it was beautiful to do it and establish it that very first year just to um, make a statement and then from there the company has continued with like think about it the women headlined wrestlemania mm -hmm. that's the way you continue that so and they've you know continued with the uh, money in the bank matches the ladder matches all these you know elimination chamber all of that kind of uh all those kind of matches that keep showing off the women's capabilities so I think it's uh, it's great, and like I said, whether it happens or not, I don't think is um, I I don't think that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the women that were a part of that initial Evolution event have since come out and said that was like their WrestleMania. And you're yourself, like you said, have been a part of so many amazing WrestleMania shows over the last 20 years, having been a part of Evolution and so many WrestleManias. Can you kind of compare the two experiences? Well, that was I mean incredible. Yeah, I mean. Obviously, I have been at WrestleMania um, for so many years and then Evolution, but Evolution definitely did something to just put a stamp of approval 
-hmm. And that's what I think felt so good to see that every match I was announcing, like, or, you know, my other uh, uh, people that were there with me to announce, obviously, Mm -hmm. um, just that we were there, all women announcing and every participant a woman, it was like, whoa, (laughs) this is really (laughs) happening. I never, I never imagined uh, a women's pay-per-view. And I look back and I go, wow, how small-minded, right? But I don't know why. I just never imagined it. And so when it got announced, I I was blown away. And then when it happened, I'm like, oh, this is so natural. But that's our culture. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean just America. I'm talking the world, right? Mm-hmm. But we're coming little by little where it's happening. And now it's just becoming a habit to be naturally seeing women competing and an all women's pay-per-view or you know because there'd be times at ringside that i was the only woman to come out the entire show Mm -hmm. so to see the evolution of that where no women were represented at all except for me um to see the evolution to all women's pay-per-view that night it hit me really hard i was like wow this is incredible and it was just six months after that you were a part of WrestleMania 35 earlier this year, like you said, that we had our first ever all-women's WrestleMania main event, Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, yeah. Charlotte Flair, an incredible experience, great match. I was there at that show. It was such a great thing to see in person, just in, in general witness. Um, Ronda Rousey since kind of taken some time off from WWE. If you followed the product at all in the last couple months, do you feel like Ronda Rousey's absence has kind of hurt the product at all? Or do you feel like the women, of course the women of WWE right now can hold their own, but do you think having someone like a Ronda Rousey puts more eyes on the product and kind of gives them more of a platform to showcase their skills and get more exposure? I think that the women are working so hard and doing so so good mm-hmm. that I don't I, I I can't tell you whether she's helping or not I have no idea <laughs> I think it's cool that she came I I love that she came um, uh, and and I respect the fact that now she wants to raise a, a family and then I know that the women that are there now are just focused on doing their absolute best and are killing it mm-hmm. Becky Lynch Charlotte all of them are killing it so proud of them. And in addition to the ring announcing, the cage announcing, like we said earlier, you're doing your own podcast. You've been doing it for a few years now. Um, how fun has it been to host your own podcast? And who have wow. been some of your favorite guests so far, too? I have to tell you, Chasing Glory has taken off in such a big way and in a bigger way than I even knew it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that, I'm not even just talking about the 6 million downloads that it's had. Um, I'm just getting ready to approach 100 episodes. So it's pretty fascinating to have that kind of you know number in, in less than 100 episodes. But it's the stories that are being told. It's the impact that the stories are, are having and the lives that they're saving. And I mean, literally, I get letters from fans who have said, I was at my wit's end. I was contemplating suicide or or there's some letters that said I literally had my suicide planned when I heard this episode and they mentioned the certain episode that touched them and the story of the superstar who talked about their own struggles that they endured and that they got through that struggle 
And they said, hearing their story made me realize that I can get through this and that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and there is something beautiful and I can still become somebody. And that to me has meant everything. Mm -hmm. That is why chasing glory is so important to me because it is way bigger than me. It is just a, a vehicle to get these stories out there and to put hope in people's lives that you don't have to live with struggle. You don't have to, you know, whether you've been depressed, whether you, you've been bullied, whether you've, um, you know, been sexually assaulted, whether you've had an eating disorder, whatever the situation is, you can get through it. And, and here's an example. And that's all that somebody usually needs is an example. Mm -hmm. And then they've been able to identify with that superstar even more. And that's why I've even expanded it beyond the WWE. Obviously, I started there because mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to get the stories of superstars. But I also saw that there was, you know, other people reaching out to me from other celebrities and other athletes. And the more I looked into this, I was like, whoa, this is incredible. Let's do that. And so I get all these different stories from even from wellness coaches. Like I've had my mentors on this mm -hmm. so that they can help the fans that are listening to this. And I, I, I want to say, look, this person helped me. Let me share what their journey is and what their teachings are so it can help you. And so they've really resonated um, with the fans. So it's just been a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it's been awesome, like you said, approaching 100 episodes, 6 million downloads, which is amazing. Uh, the superstar specifically, I mean... With them on TV, you see someone like a Zelina Vega, who's currently the manager for an Andrade, but she goes on your podcast and tells this amazing story. Some things that people have probably never heard before if they've yeah. never really, you know, uh, seen her in other interviews, which I don't think she really did much of before she was on your podcast. And it's like, whoa, I know way more about her now and her story. And like, you can empathize and sympathize with these people, relate to them and all this other stuff uh, with the superstars, like we said earlier. There are so many of them right now in WWE. It's hard for everyone to get television time between the three hours of Raw, two hours of SmackDown. Do you think, I mean, it kind of goes without saying, do you think the superstars benefit of having this extra outlet to express themselves and tell their story when they don't always get that opportunity on WWE TV? Stephanie McMahon came on Chasing Glory, mm -hmm. which I was so grateful to her for doing. And she even said... Thank you, Lillian, for having this show, for having a place where our superstars can come and tell their stories. Because you, they can't do that at WWE TV because it's about the storyline. Yep. Right? So although the network has even gotten into this more where they do 365 or they do 24 so that you can dive a little bit deeper into the superstar story. You know, but the fact that I get to do this every single week um, really does put out content that is extra, right? It's mm -hmm. extra to what you can get at WWE programming. And, uh, yeah, I, that's the thing that even the superstars have come to me and said, wow, thank you for your platform because I didn't realize what telling my story was going to do. But now the fans are connecting to me even better and it's really helped me. And there's just been some really good, like, there's been, like, a good luck charm thing. I, I'm not taking credit at all. Like I said, this show is way bigger than me. I'm taking, it's all about chasing glory. That There's some good luck things that when you're on chasing glory, all of a sudden, 
really cool things happen. Like even even Josiah Williams was on recently. He just got hired by NXT. Mm-hmm. I he was doing some things for Chasing Glory, and then WWE hired him, and he and I did a single together. We have a single now called, called Now. How funny! Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I had him on Chasing Glory to talk about that. So right when we did his episode, certain uh, all of a sudden he was uh, asked to perform and bring Adam Cole to the ring and do a solo with Adam Cole there. And I was like, whoa, that's amazing. And I can I can say that's not Josiah. I can say that with so many others. So there's, there's this beautiful synergy tie that's happening. And I always love to see what, you know, what's the next journey or what's the journey taking, taking us to. So, yeah, it's just been a blessing. And there were a few different points during your 20-year tenure in WWE that you've gotten physical, been involved in a few of the storylines. Uh, now at the PFL, I mean, do you see yourself at all getting physical in the PFL, or is it one of those things where like, ah, I'll keep my distance, I'm all set? Oh, I don't think the PFL has anything to do with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's just keep the PFL doing the MMA fighters doing their thing. Um, that is way too aggressive for me. And I'm fine just presenting the match and getting out of the cage to yep. let them do their things. <laughs> uh, WWE Hall of Famer Mick Foley recently popped up at, an, uh, at a PFL event. Do you think WWE fans will be seeing any more faces they're familiar with in addition to yourself uh, with the remainder of the season in the PFL? You never know. I invited uh, Mick and he you know, took me up on the offer and came and had a great time there. And um, yeah, I'm going to see about inviting some more and we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, they love the format. You know, they love the, the it, that it's the regular season and then the playoffs and the championship. So that's what uh, people can keep. They can keep in line with, like, the fighter a little bit better and the storyline and follow that. And then the point system. The point system makes it a lot of fun where you win three points if you win, you know, the, the bout. But you get an extra three points if you win in the first round you get an extra two points in the second round you get an extra one point in the third round Mm -hmm. and then just to follow their journey and and then and it's all up to them right like how well they do is up to the fighter and so it's just seeing the fighter succeed you know watching them or even if they don't okay how are they going to come back next time from this you know to Mm -hmm. see their flip off can that person come back from um you know being uh in a stoppage of 10 seconds can he come back and what is he going to come back like in his next bout and just watching that journey just makes it exciting all the way around and as we wind down here between ring announcing and WWE, you're now doing the MMA, PFL, cage announcing, podcasting as well, doing a lot of cool different things simultaneously. Uh, do you have any other professional goals that you hope to accomplish in the remainder of your career? Well, yeah, like I said, I just released a single, a brand new single, because mm-hmm. singing has always been my passion. I've sang since I was five. Mm-hmm. And I almost didn't even take the WWE because I was like, wait, I'm a singer. I don't know how this you know, fits in, but mm-hmm. I'm glad I did because then I got to sing on the show and all. Um, But I, uh, yeah, so I'm working right now on an EP with Josiah Williams. We kind of made that announcement. We loved how the single worked out and we then performed it live at Powerful You. And um, we realized we're like, wow, loved each other on stage. So we're like, okay, let's do it. Let's, Let's do a single together. I mean, an EP. So we're working on an EP. I'm also speaking. So I've loved the, I love storytelling. Mm -hmm. And because of Chasing Glory and listening to the stories and all, I realized, 
man, there's a story in me. And I wanted to share my own journey of some things that I've gone through. And that's what I've done at some speaking engagements. And man, it's been so fulfilling. When I get up there, I'm like, wow, I feel like I just gave a concert. Like Mm -hmm. it's given me that same feeling of giving a full out, you know, singing concert. So I've been working with Powerful You and other organizations to, to get my message out there. And I intend to do that more. And I also host, you know, moderate panels for the Comic-Con and, you know, different hosting gigs. So I'm very busy, but what I love is that I'm busy doing everything I love to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important in life and to remember that you can make a living in doing something that you absolutely love. Oh, absolutely. And as we wind down here, final question for you. What can fans expect from both you and the PFL and as it enters the uh, second half of the season? more exciting moments it's just going to get more and more intense as we get to the finals Mm -hmm. it always does right it's it's like any season if you've got football you know at the beginning it's entertaining and you're just you know you're watching it for the entertainment as it goes and it starts getting closer and closer to the playoffs now you're like whoa whoa my team's got to get there my you know so same thing here is like my fighters got to get there and so you really start pulling for your fighters and you start the energy in the whole place i think it's is going to start going through the roof we've got pfl four five and six they're all in atlantic city that place is going to be you know blowing up and um so i i think it's yeah i know it's at the sand so it's just going to be way more exciting as it keeps going on and on and then to the playoffs and then the championship new year's eve in madison square garden it can't get any bigger than that well it's going to be a great time wwe fans mma fans just everyone in general will absolutely enjoy a professional fighters league on espn like i said espn plus espn 2 anything that is espn you can find pfl pfl4 coming back thursday july 11th lillian thank you so much for your time it's been a great time talking to you today Thank you. I appreciate it. Again, big thanks to Lillian for her time. Very much enjoyed speaking with her. When I first called her up and right before we began recording, I asked her, how much time do you have today? Because I have so many questions I have to ask you uh, that I would like to ask you. And she was gracious enough to give me a half hour of her time. So that was really, really cool of her. Um, I try to go as long as I can for my interviews because I always have so many questions to ask. So again, it was really nice of her to go for the full half hour. I did the exact same thing when I spoke to the Von Erichs, actually. Ross and Marshall Von Erich, an interview that will air here on WrestleRant Radio probably within the next three weeks or so. Because next week, um, as I mentioned last week here on the show, I will be away in England both next Thursday and the Thursday after that. I'm leaving on Monday the 15th. I won't be back until Thursday, July 25th. I'll be in there. I'll be in England for a while. So I'm going to try to record those two episodes ahead of time so they can go out um, on those respective Thursdays, the, what would that be, the 18th and the 25th. So next week, my interview with um, Nick Aldis will be going up, and I've been really trying to get that in article form for Daily DDT this past week. It's been super busy, leaving on Monday and just other stuff going on. So I'm going to try to get that up for either tomorrow or Saturday in article form. You can listen to the full exclusive interview right here on WrestleRant Radio next Thursday. Next week, or the following week after that, so the 25th in two weeks, I'll have my exclusive interview with Ryback up, which will also be up in article form for Daily DDT at some point within the next week or so. Um, That'll be up as well. That went over an hour. The Nick Aldis interview went up, or went over 15 minutes, I believe. The Ryback interview was about 
an hour and 15 minutes. The longest interview I've ever done. And both guys were really awesome and really cool to talk to. I was a big fan of both men. Um, it was uh, an amazing opportunity to speak with them for such a long time about a variety of topics. So, yeah, those interviews to look forward to right here on WrestleRant Radio, as well as the Von Erichs interview, which is already up in article form again, as I said earlier, on Daily DDT. That'll be up in audio form here on the show probably in three weeks or three or four weeks, something along those lines. And then I have even more exclusive interviews and more audio and more interviews I am looking forward to posting and airing here on WrestleRant Radio in the weeks and months to come. So with all that being said, guys, uh, let's get to the preview and review portion here of WrestleRant Radio. First, starting with Impact Slammiversary. We'll talk about Extreme Rules and Fight for the Fallen soon enough. But I did want to give Impact some love here because I completely neglected to mention the pay-per-view last week here on the show. I was caught up with the Flip Gordon interview and then reviewing Fighter Fest and Best in the World and talking about WWE, Raw and SmackDown, Eric Bischoff, Paul Heyman, all this other crazy stuff. There's just so much going on in wrestling right now, which is cool. A lot of awesome stuff going on. Um, but I forgot to talk about Impact's anniversary and do my predictions for that pay-per-view. Um, I also completely forgot to talk about the New Japan G1 special. Now, as I said on hashtag AskGSM this past Wednesday, I did not watch the show. Didn't have time. I'll probably go back and watch certain matches and stuff like that, like the Okada Tanahashi match and probably Abushi and Kenta because I was looking forward to that one on paper. And I heard a few other matches were really, really good. Maybe Will Ospreay and Lance Archer. Was that the other match that happened on the show that was, like, excellent? Um, either way, I'll have to go back and check that out. Uh, but, yeah, Impact Slimiversary did air live from, I believe, Dallas on Sunday. Let's see. Yeah, it was in Dallas as well the very next night after the G1 special. And overall, I thought it was a great show. I thought Slammiversary 2018 was the best pay-per-view for Impact, not only of 2018, but, like, in years and years and years. It's been a long time since I've sat down and really enjoyed an Impact pay-per-view. Because more often than not, they feel just forgettable, missable, just completely abysmal. A lot of weird booking decisions, good matches, but not like great matches. I thought this pay-per-view had great matches in spades from uh, the beginning to the finish. I thought the show had a lot of great action, a lot of cool moments, uh, one big return at a certain point, which I'll get to soon enough. But yeah, overall, a very good show. So let's break down the show right now, starting with the opening match. Four-way action between Jay Crist, TJP, Willie Mack, and Trey Miguel, Trey of the Rascals. Um, this was a really fun match. It was not advertised in advance before the pay-per-view went live. Um, but none of the four guys had matches on the show, um, so it was cool to see them in action. TJP actually just came back to Impact a few weeks ago. And I think it's a good fit. I don't think he was too happy there the last time he was there, about three, four years ago. But they weren't really doing much with him, and he was largely the fucking manic character. He was manic for such a long time, and they did nothing with the dude. So I'm glad that they're having him just go out there and be TJP, which is really cool. But yeah, this was a really fun match. Willie Mack ended up going over, picking up the victory. He needs the momentum, so I thought he was the uh, right person to go over here. Then for the Impact World Tag Team titles, we had the North, Ethan Page and Josh Alexander, defending the gold after they won it at Friday's, I think the Beer Bruiser? Some sort of show like that. One of their Twitch specials on Friday night. They won it there. They defended it here against the former champions, LAX, Ortiz and Santana, and the Rascals, Desmond Xavier and Zachary Wentz. Um, this was an, another good match, a match I felt could have been better because these are the... I was going to say the three best teams in Impact, but they're probably also the three only teams in Impact. Um, they have Desi Hit Squad and the Deaners, but I could not care less for those teams, so... 
Um, these are probably their three best tag teams in Impact right now. It would have been cool if they had more time to go out there and just fucking kill it. But for what it was, it was a fun multi-man match. Um, I think it was Santana got hurt at one point. I don't think it was a legit, uh, a legit injury. I think they did that on purpose to protect LAX and defeat. Um, but yeah, overall, this was a good match with the North coming out on top and retaining the Impact World Tag Team titles. Now, it is worth mentioning, and I don't think I've talked about this here on the show before, there is interest, reportedly, in LAX from WWE and AEW, which is hardly surprising. A lot of people don't watch Impact anymore, which I think is kind of a shame because the product has improved immensely. The issue is, is that, I mean, I was going to say there's no easy way to watch the show anymore, but they air on Twitch. It's free. Anyone can access Twitch if you have a working internet connection, so you have no excuse to not watch Impact. But it airs at 10 p.m. on fucking Friday nights, East Coast time, so I don't blame you if you're not sitting there on a Friday night watching the show. Um, if you're not watching the show on a Friday night when you could really be doing anything else. But still, I mean, the product has improved a lot in the last, I would say, six months to a year, ever since the new regime took over of Don Callis and Scott Demore. And they've had a lot of good wrestlers come in. Some people leave, too. They still have their issues and whatnot, especially with the television deal. Pursuit is hardly a good home for Impact Wrestling. Um, but LAX has been one of the bright spots of Impact for a long time now. They came back to the company. I mean, they debuted, Ortiz and Santana did, um, back in, I want to say 2017, right after that regime took over of Jeff Jarrett. And guys like that, I don't know where Ortiz and Santana came from. I don't know if they were GFW guys that came over. I'm not sure. But they took the LAX name with Homicide, and Homicide eventually left, and they feuded with the OGs, that being um, Homicide and Hernandez, the original LAX, which was fucking awesome because they were great. Um, that was a really fun series of matches last year. I think LAX actually faced um, uh, the OGs, Hernandez and Homicide, at last year's Slammiversary show, and that was a really good match. But nonetheless, um, they've been killing it in Impact ever since they arrived. They're multi-time tag team champions. They've had great matches with the Rascals, the OGs, um, OVE, as well as most recently the Lucha Brothers. Their matches earlier this year, the Full Metal Mayhem match, I think at the Rebellion pay-per-view, I want to say, which main evented the show in April, was awesome. It was a great, great match. And the Lucha Brothers ended up splitting Impact. They have not been seen since right after Rebellion, so I don't think they're coming back. Uh, which is a shame because they were great for Impact. But now they've moved on to bigger and better things with AEW. LAX ended up sticking around for a little longer. There's been reports and rumors for months now that they could be WWE or AEW bound and that Impact was considering it a top priority to sign these guys to long-term contracts, which they should be because they're some of the best people in this entire organization. Now, Impact has a lot of great wrestlers, don't get me wrong, but LAX, again, has been one of the most consistently entertaining acts in this entire company. So if they're not working hard to sign these guys, I don't know what the fuck is going on over there, because these guys are awesome. Apparently something fell through, because otherwise they were really trying hard to, you know, keep them to their current deals. I don't know when they expire. Someone said, oh, they expired right after Slammiversary. And then I heard, oh, they expire a little later on in the fall. So I'm not exactly sure. Uh, but they did lose the tag team titles on Friday. They failed to regain them here. This would seem to be a, a, a farewell for LAX from Impact. If I had a choice, if they're not going to stay in Impact, of where I wanted to see them, WWE or AEW. I'm a big WWE guy, but I gotta go with AEW. I don't think there's a doubt in my mind that LAX would have to go to AEW. And I feel like it's a foregone conclusion. Now, 
I'm not saying they're idiots if they go to WWE, and it would be cool to see them in NXT mixing it up with the Street Profits. Fucking Undisputed Era, that'd be amazing. The issue is, is that A, I don't think they'd be LAX. They'd be similar characters, but probably not called LAX, because that's been an Impact gimmick for years now. That wasn't, you know, that didn't even start with Ortiz and Santana. I doubt Conan would go with them. He might go with them if he goes, if they go to AEW, but... Maybe not, Conan's kind of doing his own thing with MLW right now, so I would assume not, but anyway, I would love to see them in AEW. I think they'd be great in NXT. The issue is, beyond that, what the hell do you do with these guys? On the main roster, sure, matches with the Usos would be fucking awesome, but it's very apparent. It could not be any more obvious that WWE could not give two shits about tag team wrestling in 2019. They have the tag team titles on Brian and Rowan and the revival on Raw, and that's great. But they never give these tag teams any time ever. Maybe once in a blue moon at a pay-per-view like Stomping Grounds with Brian and Rowan versus Heavy Machinery, which I thought was a really good match and easily the best Heavy Machinery match I've ever seen. But by and large, they do not consider tag team wrestling a top priority. AEW does. It's the exact opposite. It's the other end of the spectrum with AEW and tag team wrestling. They have such a stacked tag team wrestling roster right now. Now, they have history with the Lucha Brothers. So to rekindle that rivalry in um, AEW would be awesome. I don't know if they've ever mixed it up with the Young Bucks. I want to say they have. I don't know where it would have been, though. Probably at some indie show. Um, That would be a match to see. LAX versus the Young Bucks. LAX versus the Lucha Brothers again. LAX versus Best Friends. LAX versus SCU. LAX versus Private Party. LAX versus Jack Evans and Angelico. There's the possibilities are endless, people, especially compared to WWE, where they could have a really hot feud to the Usos at some point. But beyond that, there's no fucking tag teams in either brand right now. They're not doing anything with their tag team divisions for the most part. So again, I think it's a foregone conclusion that if they leave Impact, it's not even definite that they're leaving Impact. They could very well resign if they want to, especially if Impact pays them an, an absurd amount of money to stay, a lot like WWE has with people like Gallows and Anderson. At least in this case, it would be justified, because at least they've been booking LAX to be a top act for years now. Whereas with Gallows and Anderson, they've been booked to look like fucking losers for the past three years. So why WWE would spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on these guys to stay is beyond me. I know they don't want them to go to AEW, but they're not going to be game changers. So who gives a shit? Don't waste your money. I think these guys are great, but they're not not—they're not main event level money. Let's not get uh, mixed up here. Let's not get confused with who we're talking about. But anyway, with LAX, I think they'd be a great fit in AEW. Eddie Edwards and Killer Cross faced off in a first blood match. Really good stuff here. I've been liking the feud since it started a few weeks ago. Killer Cross, I don't think this is really any surprise, but he's bound for bigger and better things after Impact. Um, it's been in the news lately. I haven't really talked about it here on the show, but Killer Cross... Request not even reportedly, he outright requested his release from Impact. He didn't put up a fucking tweet like everyone else does in WWE nowadays because it's the cool thing to do. No, he just outright said, I don't want to be here. He, I think he took a higher approach. He took a better approach. He went to officials themselves. He said, I think I might be worth in what you guys signed me on for about a year ago. Um, whenever that might have been. I think he first debuted in Impact, yeah, about a year ago. I think it's Slammiversary, actually. So, he signed on for a deal that he's now currently not happy with, and he thinks he's worth more, and they said, no, we're not upping your deal, we're not giving you more money, just gonna have to wait for your contract to run out, and he was not granted his release. Now, Killer Cross, I believe, signed a multi-year deal with Impact. Why the fuck anyone would do that is beyond me, I just think that's stupid, 
given the current state that Impact is in. Now, again, from an on-air standpoint, the product is great. From a business standpoint, they're not exactly lighting the world on fire. They're on the fucking Pursuit channel, people. They can't exactly be in the greatest shape financially if they're on Pursuit of all places. Now, I read they might be trying to get on Access, which is cool. But anyway, so Killer Cross is not going anywhere anytime soon. At least he's being given competitive matches, which is cool. I had no doubt that Eddie was going over here, as he probably should have, given the context and the story they've been telling with these two. Um, but Killer Cross is really, really good. It wasn't exactly sold on him at first. I didn't really too. I didn't see anything too special in the guy when he first went to Lucha, and he was like the, I don't know, the higher order of the fucking um, Rabbit Tribe. But uh, he's really impressed me in Impact. He's a guy that will be something at some point, whether it's an Impact or somewhere else. Now he was actually at the Double or Nothing pay per view. I saw that reported, but not only did I see it reported, I saw the guy himself. I was waiting in line for a t-shirt at Double or Nothing. Um, This was well after the show started. Not like the actual show, but like the pre-show. I think it was during one of the matches or in between the matches, whatever. And all of a sudden, security had already died down because everyone's already in the building by that point. I see Killer Cross with his real-life girlfriend, Scarlett uh, Scarlett Bordeaux, go through security. And they just walked through the arena like normal people. They probably went backstage. I just thought it was weird they were going through the same entrance as everyone else. Maybe they bought tickets as fans, I don't know. But it's pretty obvious that Killer Cross wants to be in AEW, like, really bad. Scarlett, I guess, could go there if she wanted to. Impact granted her release. Um, which is weird, because I feel like Scarlett, I mean, I guess she's in a worse position financially, so that's probably why she did it after Killer Cross said some things on a, on a podcast about how Scarlett had to work a second job and she still lived with her mom because she can't support herself based off the money that Impact is paying her. So that's probably why they let her go. I guess Killer Cross, Killer Cross isn't exactly in the same position, so he can kind of get away with being an Impact with that same amount of money for right now. Um, but I thought Scarlett was a way bigger asset to Impact than Killer Cross has been. Killer Cross is more of an upside, but Scarlett has been like the person. I don't want to say the guy, um, but kind of the guy in Impact for about a year now. Ever since she debuted, they've been building her up very, very much. And then all of a sudden, they just let her go. Which, again, is for the better if they weren't going to do anything with her. And they weren't going to, um, you know, pay her what she thought she was worth. So, anyway. This was a good match, though. I, I, I hate to get off on a tangent, but it was related, though. Moose and RVD had a match. Moose went over. Good stuff. Um, I'm not a big fan of... Impact using the ECW Legends in 2019. They brought in Sabu, the Sandman, Tommy Dreamer. Just fucking stop. I love Dreamer, um, but it's like I don't need to see these people on my television in 2019. It's been 20 years. Just just let it go. I'm good at the occasional Tommy Dreamer cameo or one-off appearance, but the guy's been on TV nonstop for Impact for like a year now. And Sabu is just no good. And Sandman sucks, though. RVD is not the same guy that he was years ago. So I'm glad he put over Moose here, which was appreciated. Four-way Monsters ball match for the Knockouts Championship. Ty Valkyrie went over and beating Jessica Havoc, Rosemary, and Sue Young. Very good match. I thought the effort here from all four ladies was excellent. It was brutal. It was extreme. It was exactly what I thought it would be, and then some. So props to the women for putting forth such a great matchup here. I'm sure we've seen female, we, we, we've seen Monsters ball matches before in Impact with women. I don't think we've ever seen one with this many women. Um, but it was good. I enjoyed it for what it was, and Valkyrie barely escaped with her title intact. For the X Division Championship, we had Rich Swan beating Johnny Impact. Again, very good match. Straightforward. Minimum interference from Johnny Bravo, the 
henchman of sorts, the right-hand man of Johnny Impact, the ringside. I appreciated that. Just a great wrestling match. Start to finish, straightforward stuff, just let their chemistry shine through. And I enjoyed this a lot. They got a ton of time and they made the most of it. Rich Swan, still the champion. For the Impact World title, we had Brian Cage and Michael Elgin. Again, great match. Probably the best match in the entire show. Um, I mean, the main event was really good too, but I'll get to that in a moment. Elgin here put forth a hell of a performance. Regardless of what you think of the guy, and I talked about it why I did not... I mean, I'm not surprised that he went to Impact. I'm sure WWE wants nothing to do with him. Um, I knew there was interest at one point. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But with his history of, you know, just controversy and whatnot, I think WWE dodged the bullet by not hiring him. And not only that, but the guy's just boring. From a personality standpoint, he does nothing for me. But when the bell rings, he's great. And I thought that was very evident here. Just a nice-ass hoss fight between Brian Cage and Michael Elgin. Just going out there and beating the shit out of each other. They told a great story. Brian Cage coming off the back, neck injury, whatever it is. Uh, barely getting clear to the last minute in storyline, so he was kind of at a disadvantage. But he ended up rolling up Michael Elgin for the victory, retaining his title. Elgin attacked him afterward, and out came a mysterious masked man, who was obviously Rhino. And I was wondering the same thing that all of you were. Well, isn't Rhino's contract expiring on the 17th? Why is he showing up in Impact now? Now, I assume that they had him in a mask. Because why, why the fuck would you have him in a mask? When everyone knows it's him, based off the build, the finisher, the taunt, everything. It was obviously Rhino. So, they did that, I think, because they don't want to outright say that Rhino has joined Impact until his contract has officially expired. Now, I feel like that could be a legal issue. According to Ryan Satin of Pro Wrestling Sheet, he said on Monday that he contacted WWE about it, and he said they're not likely to make a big deal about it. Probably because Rhino's been a consummate professional for so long. Um, you know, he, I guess, just agreed to stay off TV till his contract expired, because he has not been seen on WWE TV since the WrestleMania 35 kickoff show Battle Royal. We haven't seen him in months. And before that, it was probably January the last time I saw him on Raw, if not December or something like that. Um, I don't think he's had a match on Raw in 2019, to be honest, now that I think about it. Um, so that's probably why they did it. I think Rhino's very good. I wrote a whole article about him, uh, for Daily DDT the other day, calling him one of the most underappreciated wrestlers ever. I think he's good. I think he's a great asset to whatever company he joins. He can help elevate people. Uh, we'll see what he can do with Michael Elgin, but I thought this was very good overall, uh, overall, and I'm happy to see Rhino back in Impact. Um, hopefully he can get back to work and after sitting on the sidelines with WWE for so long now. And then we had the main event, Sammy Callahan taking on Tessa Blanchard. Great stuff here. Now, I will preface this by saying this, that I am never, I have never been the biggest fan of the intergender wrestling. I didn't love it in Lucha. I liked it usually because they did it right. And with Lucha, you can kind of suspend your disbelief. They do a lot crazier shit than having men wrestle women. They had people get killed off and had gauntlets and all this other shit. Having a man face a woman is not the most outrageous thing I've ever seen in Lucha. Let's put it that way. But they made it work. Like, I wasn't a fan of Sexy Star beating Pentagon Jr. that one time. I thought that was incredibly unrealistic. Especially because, not because Sexy Star is a woman, but because she sucked. Um, but by and large, they did it right in, like, the trios matches. I really liked when they did it in Lucha. Impact? Eh, I'm not a big fan of it. But they made it work here. Tessa Blanchard's a star. She's believable. Sammy Callahan, it's not like he's this giant monster. He's, you know, like 5'10". And he's like my height, if not shorter. You know, he's like 5'10", 5'11", if not shorter. He's got a decent build. It's it's realistic to think that Tessa Blanchard probably could beat Sammy Callahan because she came very close here, but at least could take the fight to him. Absolutely. 
So I thought this was built up very well. They didn't announce it as the main event at any point, except for maybe earlier on in the show. And I'm glad it did go on last, because I thought it might have been the best match in the entire show. And it wasn't a spectacle like, oh, a man facing a woman. It was just a great fucking match. And I thought they went out there and killed it. Sammy Callahan has been the Impact MVP for a while now. Between the feud that he's had with Tessa, the feud that he had with Rich Swan, the feud that he had with Eddie Edwards, with um, LAX about a year ago. The guy kills it in any position they put him in. And this was a just overall really good match. Just great shit here. Sammy Callahan barely coming out on top. People were kind of complaining online from what I saw. Like, oh, how could you have Sammy go over? Tessa losing was such a... It was such a, you know, the, the wrong call. It was such a disappointment. I didn't see it that way at all. I really don't. I don't know if people would have revolted if Tessa beat Sammy. Um, you know, there's a lot of sexist assholes out there who are like, oh, that makes no sense. Why would you have Tessa beat Sammy? And like, boo. I don't think that would have really happened. But I think Tessa, to be quite honest with you, earns more. She gains more in defeat than she would with the victory. I think she gained more with the showing that she poured forth here and just getting the shit kicked out of her by Sammy Callahan than she would have if she just rolled up Sammy for the win. I feel like it would have felt like a fluke victory. It wouldn't have made much... I mean, it would have made sense, but I feel like this was a bigger moment with Sammy just putting her through everything before finally beating her. Like, hitting her with, like, pile drivers, everything you can possibly imagine. That was what it took to put this woman away. And then he showed her a sign of respect afterward with the post-match handshake. So I thought this was great. It got a lot of great buzz for Impact on social media from what I saw the day after the show. Really good stuff here. So overall, check out Impact's anniversary. Um, I really enjoy. I really enjoyed the show on the whole. And uh, the three best matches to watch, in my opinion, were the last three matches. Sammy Callahan and Tessa Blanchard, Michael Elgin and Brian Cage, and then Johnny Impact and Rich Swan. But even Ty Valkyrie and the, and the four-way uh, four women's monsters ball match for the knockouts title was great. Eddie Edwards and Killer Cross was a lot of fun. Moose and RVD was exactly what it needed to be. The tag title match was fun. And the opener was good, too. Not a bad match and not a bad booking call in the entire show. All the right people won. And I really enjoyed the show. So the issue with Impact is that they can't really maintain momentum. They can't really generate buzz for long periods of time. But if they can produce pay-per-views like this, if nothing else, because the damage has been done, it's going to be hard to get more people to watch Impact after so many people gave up on them years ago for all the shit they were spoon-feeding us, you know, five years ago and beyond. But at least they can maintain the current viewers they have by putting on great shows such as this one. As we wind down here on the show, uh, I'm not going to go too in-depth in my predictions for either pay-per-view fight for the Fallen or Extreme Rules, just because, one, we don't have a ton of time left, and two, a lot of these matches, not that they're predictable, there's really not a ton to say. I'm looking forward to both pay-per-views, and they could be very good shows, but they feel like filler pay-per-views before AEW gets to um, All Out in late August, and before WWE gets to SummerSlam next month. I'll just put it that way. Um, we'll start with Fight for the Fallen from AEW on Saturday, live from Jacksonville, Florida. Brandy Rhodes versus Allie. They've been building towards this on BTE for a few months now. Allie just won at um, the Fighter Fest show. So, and I think this is the in-ring de- It is the in-ring debut of Brandy Rhodes in AEW. I think she wins here. I think Allie, she beat Leva Bates at that show, at um, Fighter Fest, because they want to build towards Brandy, uh, Brandy Rhodes, excuse me, beating her on this show in order for it to mean more. So I think Brandy Rhodes wins here. Uh, Kenny Omega versus Sema. I don't know how you pronounce his name. I think it's Sema. Um, but yeah, uh, Kenny Omega versus Sema here. Omega wins, obviously. Sema actually just beat Christopher Daniels at the Fighter Fest show in order for it to mean more when Kenny Omega beat him. So again, it makes sense. 
We have Adam Page versus Kip Sabian. Um, I guess they set this up at the last show. I completely forgot about that. Kip Sabian actually sat in on the four-way match that Adam Page won at Fighter Fest. Adam Page wins. He's going for the World Championship at All Out. He should obviously win here. Um, on the pre-show, we have Sonny Kiss versus Peter Avalon with Leva Bates, the librarian. They announced this yesterday on social media. I could not give two shits. I really couldn't. The librarian gimmick sucks. Maybe Sonny Kiss will make this entertaining. I don't see this being too good. I see this being like the equivalent of what the fucking Nakazawa versus uh, Jabali match was at Fighter Fest. Hopefully they exceed my expectations, but I really don't care about this match. You have a six-man tag team match. Why this is on the kickoff show, I don't know, but it is. Uh, Jimmy Havoc, Darby Allen, and Joey Janela taking on Sammy Guevara, Sean Spears, and MJF. RJ has posed this question to me a few times since it was announced a few days ago. Why is Sean Spears teaming with the man that proclaims that he is Cody Rhodes' best friend in MJF? It makes no sense, but obviously they'll play off of that. Maybe Sean Spears will walk out on his team. He doesn't give a shit about anyone except himself. I'm not sure. Um, I do think the heel should go over here. Uh, I guess Allen, Joey Janelle, I mean, I guess this could go either way. It really is a, a toss of the coin. It really is a coin toss in regards to who goes over. I'll say Guevara, MJF, and Sean Spears. Um, MJF needs a victory. I think he needs to win here. And then we have SCU versus the Lucha Brothers. The Lucha Brothers need to win this, obviously. They lost to the Young Bucks, double or nothing. They lost the six-man tag team match at Fighter Fest. They need to win here. So I think Lucha Brothers beat out Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky. That's AEW Fight for the Fallen on Saturday. On Sunday, we have WWE Extreme Rules. Here are my predictions. We have Aleister Black versus Cesaro. Cesaro was revealed to be the mystery knocker on the door of Aleister Black this past week on SmackDown. I know Alexis was disappointed. She was hoping for a bigger name like a Johnny Gargano or something, like more of a surprise. I think it's going to be a great match. I could see why most people wouldn't care about it being Cesaro because the guy's been doing nothing for a while now. Um, but from an in-ring standpoint, it could be great. It gives Aleister Black an easy win in his first singles pay-per-view match for WWE. And I think a lot of these people that are disappointed that Cesaro stepped up to the plate to face Aleister Black, uh, that, that stepped up to face Aleister on the show, I think will be pleasantly surprised by the match that we get here. So I think Aleister obviously has to win. For the Cruiserweight Championship, which I could definitely see being added to the kickoff show, Drew Gulak versus Tony Nese. Um, the thing that doesn't make sense to me, now I know why, but... They had an Anything Goes match on 205 Live this week between Oni Lorcan and Ari Daivari. Great match, too. Easily the best Daivari match I've ever seen. Um, it was a really good match, but that was extreme. That was an Extreme Rules match, pretty much. Extreme Rules, no holds bar, no DQ, Anything Goes. Whatever the hell you want to call it, Street Fight, it's all the same thing. But then we have Gulak and Nisa on this show with no stipulation. It makes no sense, which is another reason why they need to get rid of this fucking show. Extreme Rules, there's nothing extreme about it. There's like... Two stipulation matches, three maybe, on the entire show. Oh, handicap match. It's so extreme, who cares? Anyway, um, so Gulak and Nice, getting back to what I was talking about originally. Uh, Gulak wins, he just won the championship at Stomping Grounds. I think he has to win here. For the SmackDown Women's Championship, Bailey versus Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross um, in a handicap match. Now, I had just read this morning that the reason why Nikki Cross was added, I thought it just made sense from a storyline standpoint. Now, I don't want to see a handicap match. I'd rather see a triple threat. I think that would be, you know, that would make more sense. Um, but they're doing the handicap match, I guess, because they want to protect Alexa. She's coming off a pretty bad sinus infection, which is why she wasn't on Raw or SmackDown this week. So I guess that explains that. Uh, a lot of people are saying Bailey, and I want Bailey to win. I think Nikki Cross could win this. I think she could pin Bailey, and then she could become champion. 
And then Alexa Bliss has a reason to be pissed at her. Now, Nikki Cross is on Raw, but that hasn't changed them. You know, that hasn't affected WWE and their dumb booking decisions with this fucking wildcard role. So I, I'm going to say, I'm going to go off on a limb and say Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross win this with Nikki Cross picking up the win for her team and becoming the new champion. And then her and Alexa Bliss, you know, feud over that. Or maybe they become co-champions like Lakehold, which would be shitty, but we'll see. But I'm going to go off on a limb and say Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross win this thing. Let's see. For the Raw Tag Team titles, the Revival versus the Usos. This should be a really fun match. Um, the Revival just won the belts about a month or two ago. I think about a month ago, actually. I think it'd be... I was going to say it would be dumb to take the belts off them so soon, but does it even really matter? These belts mean nothing anyway. Um, I'm going to say the Revival. I think there's more teams for them to face on Raw before they drop the championships. I guess I could see them losing them here to the Usos so the Viking Raiders can chase the Usos for the titles. Just keep them on Revival. I'll, I'll say Revival retains. Last man standing match, Braun Strowman to Bobby Lashley. Again, I'm going to go off on a limb and say Bobby Lashley. I know Paul Heyman's a big Bobby Lashley guy. I know he's high on Braun too, but I think... Bobby could really benefit from a victory here. I hated the fact that they had him, like, basically bury Rey Mysterio on Raw. Um, I loved what it did for Bobby, not so much what it did or didn't do for Rey Mysterio. But I like the idea of getting Bobby, like, hotter, getting him on more of a streak, giving him more momentum. And he can win this thing without pinning Braun Strowman because it is a last-man standing match. I think Braun's the safe pick, and he needs a win. He hasn't won on pay-per-view, and WrestleMania doesn't count. The fucking trophy, the Andre, the John Memorial Battle Royal, who cares? Um, aside from that, on the main card of a show, he has not won on pay-per-view since TLC 2018, last December. It's currently July. And even on that show, that was barely of his doing because he lost, or he beat Baron Corbin in like a five-on-one handicap match or with help of like Bobby Roode and Chad Gable and you know Apollo Crews and, and uh, who was the other guy? Um, that I was going to mention. Gable, Rude, Apollo Crews, Kurt Angle interfered at one point. So, I, I think he needs the win, but he just... Oh, no, I'm sorry. He beat Bobby at the greatest at the Super Showdown show, which I also completely forgot about. But putting that aside, I think Bobby could really benefit from a win here. So, I know it's wishful thinking, but I want Bobby to win this. I hope Bobby wins, so he's my pick. Let's see. For... I think we're getting to the main matches here. Oh, real quick for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. Daniel Bryan and Rowan versus The New Days, Big E and Xavier Woods in Heavy Machinery. Triple Threat Tag Team title match. I'm going to say Heavy Machinery wins this thing. Again, the tag titles really mean nothing, but after coming up short at Stomping Grounds, they don't have to, excuse me, they don't have to pin Bryan and Rowan in this match to become champions. They can pin either Big E or, or Xavier Woods. I think Bryan and Rowan are going to win. I think it's too soon to put the belts back on The New Day. It'd be a cool thing to have every member of The New Day holding gold, but... I don't think they need to do that. So I'm going to go with Heavy Machinery, new SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Um, let's see. For the United States Championship, Ricochet versus AJ Styles. Another one. I think this could go either way. Because Ricochet's already beaten AJ before. AJ needs wins. Um, as, is, as does Ricochet. I don't want to see Ricochet lose the title within a month. But I think the feud could be better with Ricochet in chase mode. Unless they have... AJ's. I think, is, is going to win it at some point. So AJ will either win it here or at SummerSlam. I'm going to say here. I think AJ wins it here to put Ricochet back in chase mode, which is where they should have kept him for a little longer. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to this match. It could be killer if they give him enough time to shine. So I think AJ wins here, becomes a new champion. Let's see. For the WWE Championship, Kofi Kingston versus Samoa Joe. I would love nothing more than for Joe to be the one to beat Kofi for the title. I don't see it happening, though. I think he's the latest fall guy for Kofi to beat. I think it's going to be his best challenge, though. 
I didn't really care too much about Owens going for the belt or Sammy or Dolph just because they're not really threats. They weren't really built up at all. They weren't they weren't built up whatsoever. So anyway, I do think um let's see, I do think Kofi will retain here, still WWE champion. Tag team match, we have the Undertaker and Roman Reigns taking on Shane and Drew. If Shane and Drew win, they're going to have to either pin Taker or Roman. And it's also no holds barred. So I could see The Miz interfering, Kevin Owens interfering, the Babyfaces will win. Maybe we get Roman and Shane at SummerSlam. I do think Drew's taking the pinfall loss here. And then they'll have Shane eat a pinfall loss in singles competition, probably at SummerSlam in the hands of Roman Reigns, I would imagine. Or Kevin Owens, but I think Roman, I mean... In all honesty, the Miz would make the most sense, but they're they're going this route with Roman, so I guess they're going to do that instead. So I think Taker and Roman win here with help from the Miz and Kevin Owens and maybe a few others. And maybe all the people that Kevin Owens mentioned on SmackDown this week, Apollo Crews and Ali and Buddy Murphy, you never know. Um, and then in the main event, a last chance, winner-take-all, mixed tag team extreme rules match. Holy shit, that's a, that's a mouthful. That is a fucking mouthful for both the Universal, it's not over, for both the Universal and Raw Women's Championships. Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch versus Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans. What a fucking mess that title is. Oh my god. Um, I really don't care about this match. To me, it feels like filler before SummerSlam. Putting the belts on Lacey and Corbin at this point would be disastrous. If Raw could get any worse, it could with them as champions. So I'm going to go with Rollins and Becky. There's no reason to take the titles off them at this point. I think they win here, and then Rollins and Becky can move on to fresh challengers heading into SummerSlam. And those are my predictions for Extreme Rules on Sunday and Fight for the Fallen on Saturday. Looking forward to both shows. Quick note here, as I mentioned earlier on in the episode, as we wind down here, there will be no like reviews of Fight for the Fallen or you know Extreme Rules here on the show in the next few weeks. I think this is it for the major wrestling shows in July. Unless I'm mistaken, I think this is it, though. Uh, we got the G1 special out of the way, Slammiversary, Extreme Rules, Evolve, all that other stuff. I will not be talking about that next week here on the show as I am leaving for England on Monday. So in my place, in place of a normal show where I would be reviewing said pay-per-views, I'll be airing my exclusive interview with the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, the National Treasure Nick Aldis, next week here on the show. And then the week after that, my exclusive interview with Ryback, former WWE superstar. He's the head of Feed Me More Nutrition wrote his own book, former Intercontinental Champion, you know, the big guy. He's going to be on WrestleRant Radio in two weeks for the longest interview I've ever conducted. Uh, really cool guy, so you can check that interview out in two weeks, and then Nick all this interview in a week here on the show. So there, there's going to be an open and a close to both shows, um, but they will be pre-recorded like this weekend. So just keep that in mind if you're uh, looking forward to original content here from WrestleRant Radio. You can't check out my reviews of all the shows that I watch. They will be a little delayed as I'm away, um, but they will be up on nextairwrestling.net for you know Raw, SmackDown, Fight for the Fallen, Extreme Rules, on anything. NXT, Ring of Honor, Impact, all that stuff will be up on the website as I get to it while I'm away. I'm hoping to still try to do that stuff even though it will be busy, but we'll try to work it into the itinerary. Um, anyway, guys, thank you for checking out the show. As always, be sure to listen to full episodes of Wrestle Rant Radio every single Thursday, not only on NextDayWrestling.net, but also on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, iTunes. Uh, I already said iTunes. Tune in radio is what I meant to say. 
iHeartRadio, Google Play. We're all over the place, baby. So rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. It is now literally easier than ever to listen to WrestleRant Radio. We are now on more than just two or three platforms. We are everywhere. You have no excuse to not listen to WrestleRant Radio for all the content I provide, the reviews I do, and the interviews I conduct right here that you will hear nowhere else than but on WrestleRant Radio. On that note, guys, just have an awesome rest of your weekend. Enjoy Fight for the Fallen on Saturday, Extreme Rules on Sunday. Check me out on the socials for all the coverage of the shows from yours truly at WrestleRant on Twitter, Facebook at Facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews and on YouTube as well at YouTube.com backslash C backslash Graham GSM Matthews. And there might be pictures going up on my Instagram page as well at Instagram Ramina during my trip in London. So stay tuned for that and follow me there if you aren't already. Be well, folks. I'm Graham GSM Matthews. I'll catch your ass across the pond and down the road.